Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Did you guys hear my rooster during the? Sh- Did you hear my rooster in the first segment? Did you hear it? Yes. He was outside the window here, like. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. The Sims farm is growing. There is a rooster now to go along with the chickens, which means some of those eggs may not be for cooking. They may <laughs> yeah, be for right. sprouting more chickens. You got the rooster, uh, yes. the hen, and the chicken. No, that's a different story altogether. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, it's uh, a different dynamic here at the uh, old Sims farm. My little girl's birthday is coming up. She's wanted a rooster. We got that. She does want baby chicks. You're right. We're going to have to be careful not to uh, eat those. That's a different story. We won't get into that. But this thing's crazy, man. I mean, he runs around the yard. He's yelling outside my house right now. I'm not so sure how much I love this rooster so far. Well, I think we should name the rooster Chris then. It sounds like it's taken right after you. They say dogs look like their owners. I think the rooster's acting (laughs) like its owner. Yeah, well, that's you're right. I'm hungry a lot and I yell a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. You're going to get me in trouble here. There's too many things I can say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's just keep moving along. And and uh, I, you know, we've we've been dealing with heavy topics for the first half hour of the show. Some days, all of the show and the heavy topics are still out there and they're still going to make their way into the show. But but we have a football topic to talk about right out of the gates because in Minnesota or in virtual meetings involving Vikings players, Dalvin Cook had been participating. And my understanding is the team and Dalvin Cook's representatives had been trying to work out 
a second contract. He was not a first-round pick. He fell to round two, so he's got one year left on his original four-year rookie contract. They were trying and trying and trying, and they are trying no more, at least not for now, because Dalvin Cook is going to pull the plug on the virtual meetings, and he plans to hold out until he gets, as it was reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN, which I think the information came directly from Cook's camp. It's not going to come from the Vikings on this. Cook's people want a reasonable deal, whatever that is, and we'll be talking about what's reasonable for an elite running back who has only so many years to be an elite running back before he can't be an elite running back anymore, Chris. But the bottom line is he's due to make $1.3 million this year. We've seen Christian McCaffrey get his second contract, and he had two years left under contract with the Carolina Panthers. Cook wants his, and when you consider the value that Cook had to the Vikings offense last year, now's the time to strike. It's that same mindset that Ezekiel Elliott had a year ago. They need me, so I'm going to withhold services until I get the contract that I want. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I mean, if you're the focal point of the offense and you play running back in the NFL and everything that's going on in the offense is really going through you, why would you continue to play for peanuts? That's the real question. And yeah, Dalvin Cook, a guy who's not real big, uh, extremely explosive, but also extremely aggressive and physical for the size in which he is. You know, $1.3 million just ain't going to get it done for a guy in the Minnesota Vikings, as we know, is a playoff football team. Offense is predicated on the run game. Gary Kubiak. So he's got a lot of leverage here. You know, I know they got Madison behind him. He's a good running back, all of that. But Dalvin Cook, without a doubt, is the MVP of that offense and one of the best running backs in football. You're right. It's the same old conversation, Mike. And really... I mean, it, it, it should be. It, this is what every good running back in football should do after year three of their contract. And there's a difference between Cook and Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott because of the fact that that fifth-year option isn't attached to the back end of the deal. And without getting into the weeds here, as a practical matter, it will take less money to get Cook a new money average similar to Elliott's and McCaffrey's because of the fact that there isn't a significant payment due to him for 2021. And I'll leave it at that. We've talked about new money versus value at signing, but as a practical matter for the Vikings, it takes less raw cash to get to the new money average that we see from a Christian McCaffrey at 16 million, Ezekiel Elliott at 15 million. Le'Veon Bell at 13-1. His deal was signed from scratch. But the top two had two years left on their deal. And that calculation of new money average factors in what already was due to be made. For Cook, all he's due to earn is $1.3 million this year. You put this year into a new contract with a four-year extension, it's not as hard to get. It's not as expensive to get to 16 or 15 million a year, if that's what he even wants. It's unclear exactly what he wants. I've heard the number 13 million per year thrown around. Look, he doesn't have that same dual threat dynamic as Christian McCaffrey, but he's still extremely valuable to the Vikings offense. He's missed a lot of games due to injury, but he's still extremely valuable to the Vikings offense, and the Vikings want to build around Dalvin Cook for as long as he can continue to be a high-level performer, Chris. So they're going to have to get this worked out or they're going to have a problem. 
Yeah, well, and, and the good thing is Dalvin Cook doesn't look like he's going down the mold of like, I want to be the highest paid running back in football, which he certainly, you know, could make an argument for. Again, you know, not that he's better than Christian McCaffrey, or maybe he would he could argue that he could get a little less than Christian McCaffrey is really what I should say. I mean, he could do that. I mean, we see that with every other position in football where, hey, the next guy's up. He's pretty good. He's in the top five conversation. He's the richest guy in the sport. Cook doesn't look like he's trying to hold the Vikings' feet over the fire to that degree. But, yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota, with the way their team's structured right now, everything about it, you know, some new moving parts on the defensive side of the ball, change their secondary, they're going to have to rely on their offense. This is a big year for their offense. And, you know, no, Dalvin Cook, to your point, Mike, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but they still use him in the pass game a whole lot. You know, he was second in receptions last year for that football team, which is still an amazing feat. And he's by far and away the most explosive player on their offense now that Stefan Diggs is gone. So when you take all those things into account, you, you really do. You go, man, he's got some leverage. And if they want to be a good offense and a good football team this year, they need him there in that lineup. And this is the dilemma that any team with a great running back finds itself in at some point. Do you make the big investment in a second contract and then brace yourself for the possibility that you're going to regret it? Or do you groom the next man up? Alexander Madison, a guy they drafted out of Boise State in round three in 2019, is a guy who has shown flashes. He's shown promise. Definitely. He's yet to yeah. really have the opportunity to take off. But but what the Vikings could say to Dalvin Cook is, hey, you're under contract for 2020. We'll franchise tag you if we see fit in 2021. And we can always turn the page to Alexander Madison. They don't seem to be inclined to do that, though, Chris. I spoke to Rick Spielman, the Vikings GM, not long after the draft, and the topic of Dalvin Cook came up. And based upon the things Rick Spielman said, it sounds like they want to keep him around. But don't just take my word for it again, as if you ever would. Here's what Rick Spielman had to say in the days after the 2020 draft. You know, we, we believe in playing our, paying our own players. Um, those are the guys that we develop. We know them the best. We know what they are from a work ethic standpoint. We know what type of players they are. But we also know how much they mean out to our community and how involved they are. And, and Dalvin checks all those boxes. He's a he's a he's a very good football player, but he's even a better human being. So we take the whole picture in. And like I said, our philosophy and history has been developing. Hopefully, we're drafting well enough, and we have to to give long term extensions to the guys that have come in and helped us win ball games, and then fit everything that we're looking for to build our culture. And one thing they've been very successful at doing, Chris, is getting those guys signed to new contracts. Now, Anthony Harris is playing under the franchise tag. He's a safety who was undrafted. It's been a pleasant surprise for the Vikings, but he said he wants to stay in Minnesota long term. Various other key players signed second contracts. Kirk Cousins is the only guy on either side of the ball who's basically a stranger to the organization, other than like a Riley Reef who was brought in free agency. But a lot of homegrown Vikings players and they reward them, and they usually get it worked out. Anthony Barr was the one who came closest to leaving. Remember, he had that deal with the Jets, and then he decided right. he didn't have a deal it with the Jets. Because who right. in the right mind wants to play for the Jets? I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, uh, maybe I'm not. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so, so that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. But ultimately, it comes down 
to how much cash is it going to take, Chris? And they're at an impasse. Now, as of a few weeks ago, I think there was some quiet optimism they would get something done. But right now they're at an impasse. And Cook is playing the card that's available to him under the CBA, which is to say the rest of this stuff that we're doing for the balance of the offseason is voluntary. I'm not going to be part of it. And he does have a right under the CBA to withhold services in training camp. We hear all the time, you signed a contract, you signed a contract. And this is the first time we're saying it in 2020, and it may be one of the spaces on PFT bingo, but there are two contracts. The contract between the player and the team and the broader contract between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Players have rights under both deals. The teams have rights under both deals. And Dalvin Cook has rights under the broader CBA to withhold services, even if he's technically in violation of his individual contract with the Vikings. And remember, for your first contract, you don't get to negotiate anything. It's all slotted. It's based on where you're picked. It's not like it's an arm's-length negotiation where you add in incentives and, and get more money if you, you know, if you start a certain number of games. No, it's all set in stone, which makes it, I think, even easier for a player to justify a holdout. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, easy to justifiably have a holdout when you're the most explosive guy on the offense and the MVP of the offense and one of the best running backs in football. You know, the, the big question, Mike, I think is really is what is that number? You're right. And then and then as far as the Minnesota Vikings are concerned, you know, how many years do they want to commit? What kind of guaranteed money do they want to commit? We've seen, of course, the running back market. Hey, Christian McCaffrey, top paid guy. Now the next guy's down. It's not, you know, a good case argument for running backs. When you start to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, so far to me have not lived up, either one have lived up to what they're making contract-wise, 15 million and a little over 13 million. David Johnson, you know, he's there. Derrick Henry gets his running back franchise tag this year. So we'll see. It hasn't been a good experiment for running backs to sit there so far to say, hey, teams, look, I mean, the evidence shows that this is, you know, a good investment. You get a running back, you know, they perform well for a long time. You said it already. So it's dangerous that way. Um, but Dalvin Cook can't play for $1.3 million, especially at that position in running back in the NFL. And, and again, I think this is going to go on with every top-level running back after year three of their rookie contract from here on out. And this is what it should ha what should happen. But, you know, Mike, I ask you, what realistically – what should Dalvin Cook expect? What do you think he should make? I mean, he certainly deserves to be in the Le'Veon Bell conversation where he's at right now with $13.1 million. Well, here's the thing to remember, too. If it's a four-year extension on the one year that's left on his current contract, yeah. making it a five-year commitment, that's the limit of my mathematical ability. But if it's a five-year commitment, the question is, how much of it is a true commitment by the Vikings? Is it two years of fully guaranteed money? Most teams will stop at that when it comes to running backs, two years. Then after that, it becomes a year-to-year -year proposition. So the question becomes, how much money does a player want up front to justify signing on for the extra years beyond that, doing a five-year commitment when you know that after the first two years, you're at the mercy of the team? They're going to keep you around if you're continuing to get it done. If you're not getting it done, you're gone. That's how it works, and we've seen many running backs – who don't get to the end of that second contract, who don't cash every check. Quarterback, for the most part, great quarterback is going to cash every check of every contract with the team until they get to that point late in the career where it's time to move on, as we've seen 
happened more frequently in recent years. For a running back, you're a year or two into that second contract, and the question begins, does he still have it? Does he still have it? It's that car crash dynamic. How much tread is on the tires? How long can you play at that level? When do you begin to lose half of a step and not have that explosiveness that we've seen from Dalvin Cook in the footage that's been playing throughout the show, Chris? So, for me, the question is, how yeah, much does he want up front? Miss- does, he want, yeah. does he want $27 okay. million over two years like Le'Veon Bell got? Now, Le'Veon Bell had to go through a year of the franchise tag, hold out for an entire season, and then he became a free agent, and he got that $27 million over two years fully guaranteed. Is that what Cook wants? And the other dynamic here, too, is, and we don't know how this is going to play out with the pandemic and the possibility of empty stadiums and the salary cap going down next year, that hovers over these negotiations as well, Chris. When you have a lot committed to your quarterback and other key veteran players on the team, something's got to give. And can you justify tying up that much cash and cap space over the next two years in in a running back when you've got Alexander Madison there? I mean, they know him better than anyone. They saw him in practice. We saw some of him in games. He's good. is Is it crazy to think they could just say, Dalvin, if you want to hold out, hold out, and we'll go with Alexander Madison, Michael Boone, and Amir Abdullah as our depth chart? No, it's not crazy. You know, they could get it done. Again, I I think this will be the part of the conversation, too, in the NFL as we go forward. With good running backs after year three starting to wise up and realize, why would I continue to play when I'm, you know, one of the leaders on our offense as far as statistics and, you know, plays made. But, you know, the flip side of that is the teams, I think, are going to have to start going, okay. You know, we talked about this during the draft process. You almost got to be in the draft market for a running back every three to four years they basically go okay i'm drafting a running back got him for three years might have to flip it out and get a new one three years from now whatever it may be but yeah well these type of situations mike embolden teams to start moving on from these running backs because i I mean look at the players that are going to be available here after the year you know again this is unbelievable it's, it's unbelievable unbelievable so it is a list that would make a hardcore fantasy football trees. player yeah I mean, if you're a fantasy football player, I think you pee a little bit when you see this list. The turmoil that is coming in 2021 when these contracts expire, unbelievable. Now, a lot of these guys are going to get second contracts, but some of them aren't going to get second contracts, primarily because, number one, there's going to be plenty of free agent running backs next year, and there's always a crop coming out in the draft every season with full tread on the tires. So what do you do, Minnesota Viking fan? What do you do? I want to hear what you want. Like, what do you think the proper play is for your team here? You know, because you're right. Rick Spielman's in a tough spot. They've spread some money around because Rick Spielman, he's one of the best draft evaluators there is in the NFL. So he keeps drafting awesome linebackers, awesome defense and awesome wide receivers. And they pay them because, yes, teams want to keep the players they've drafted. They're homegrown, like we heard him say. So, This really is a tough one, and I won't lie. I think Ezekiel Elliott last year scarred me a little bit. Uh, As much as we all pounded on the table for him to get more money, you know, the way he played and didn't live up to expectations and the yards he left on the field, it scarred me. It scared me a little bit to to throw uh, big money out to these running backs. Well, I think the message for the Vikings is, and they need to be very candid with Dalvin Cook's agents, we want to get this done now. If the holdout lasts into training camp, we are not going to be inclined to pay you the kind of money you're looking for because this season ends up potentially being wasted for Dalvin Cook. 
if he's not part of the program. It's going to be hard enough to get people ready. If he's staying away from training camp in a year when we're trying to get everybody ready, we got Alexander Madison, and we believe in him. He's grown. He's developed. We used a third-round pick on him for a reason. You know, at the time, they didn't know what Dalvin Cook was going to be. First year in the league, torn ACL non-contact, week four. They got to the NFC Championship game without him. Latavius Murray was their main running back then. 2018, he he, he missed games. He had a, a collection of injuries. He, 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 he wasn't – you know, he has one year. And look, I'm a big Dalvin Cook guy. But let's be are. realistic. He's got one year. Where right. he has performed at a high level. The question is, can he sustain it? And what is that one year worth from the standpoint of his next contract? And that's the challenge for the Vikings. I don't know what they do, but I think whatever they do, they need to make it clear we got to do it now because it's in no one's interest for this to linger into training camp. And a couple no. of quick, a couple of quick CBA points that I want to make, because you're going to hear about this. And I want to tell you what it really means. It ultimately means Nothing. One of the things you're going to hear about is under the new CBA, if a player does not yet have his four years of service toward free agency and he doesn't show up for training camp, he now automatically loses the year of service, meaning that in 2021, Dalvin Cook would be a restricted free agent, not eligible for the franchise tag, which is a huge financial difference. But we've seen this time and again. The old deadline was you had to show up 30 days before the start of the regular season. Chris Johnson, nine years ago, he didn't care. Last year, right. Ezekiel Elliott, he didn't care. Remember, everybody in Dallas was saying, he's definitely going to show up by August 6th. He'll be there. He's not going to give up that year for agency. No, no, because here's the thing. You're holding out for the contract. You don't care about free agency. You want your contract. You're going to stay away until you get your contract. So that doesn't mean anything. Now, it means a little bit more for Cook, because he's one year away from free agency. Elliott was right. two. Johnson was two. But still, it's not... It's not that that as it's not as destructive to a potential holdout as you would think. Secondly, the fines have gone up to fifty thousand dollars per day if you hold out during training camp. But again, guys don't care. You can still waive the fines for guys under their first contracts, not for guys under their second contracts. That's a new twist. But that th those things twist. won't matter. If he's going to stay away, he's staying away to get paid. He's not coming back until he gets paid, and that's that, Chris. So those other things are just details. He's staying away until he gets his contract. But I think it's in his interest and the team's interest to get this done before it becomes a training camp holdout because when that happens, 2020 potentially is a wasted season. Yeah, well, you're right. It is. And Dalvin Cook doesn't want that. You know, as we've talked about here during the pandemic and everything else, he only got so many years of, you know, athletic explosion to capitalize on that and be an elite NFL running back. So he wants to do that. You know, Minnesota, of course, with Gary Kubiak taking over at offensive coordinator, of course, he wants his offense to look good and everything to, you know, be hitting on all cylinders. Now, I would think, Mike, you know, a little bit like we talked about yesterday, you'd be able to dangle some guaranteed money out in front of a guy like Dalvin Cook, who hasn't made a, a lot of uh, change to this point. You know, I know Zeke Elliott got a little over $28 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's, what, right at $30 million, something like that. You know, if you could find a way to get an extension with Cook and maybe $24, 25000000 million guaranteed, something like that, where then it works out to be you know, basically a two- or three-year deal, and then you reassess from there, uh, I think that could be a win-win from all sides. It doesn't look like Dalvin Cook is trying to kill the Vikings. He looks like he's just trying to get some money in his pocket to protect, some, protect himself because he's already torn an ACL in the NFL, and he does run hard. 
and he realizes this is the best leverage he's going to have as an NFL running back. There is no Stephon Diggs there, and he's clearly the go-to guy in the offense. So, you know, you do it now or you never do it, and I, and I think the timing is right for Cook here. And if he's not there, what does that mean for Kirk Cousins? Because we have seen Cousins thrive when the running game is working. When the running game is not working, Kirk Cousins does not thrive. Puts a lot of eggs in the Alexander Madison basket at a minimum. But can Kirk Cousins get it done if he doesn't have that Dalvin Cook threat? That's a big question. And I don't want to sit here and just totally put it all on Kirk Cousins. I question the offense in general. Can, Can Gary Kubiak have the type of offense that can spread the ball out and go, oh, we don't have a running back like that. We need to do different things to get the ball to the receivers in space and do all that. So I have lots of questions there. And I think that adds to the leverage with Dalvin Cook, though. You're right. You know, Madison's really good. Don't get me wrong. But again, when you only got one good running back or one proven commodity, I know Boone's there, but I'm not going to put Boone in the special category there quite yet. You know, hey, Madison gets hurt. All of a sudden, you know, you're on to a list of guys where you don't feel good about what you might be able to do in the run game, pass game with your running back. It changes your offense, all of that. So uh, it's certainly risky, too, if you're the Vikings to play the you know, we're going to draw a line in the sand, not sign you, Dalvin Cook, and go with the guys we got. That could certainly hurt this offense in a big way. And if you noticed on the graphic, that's not a misprint. 34.7% of Kirk Cousins' throws came from play action, which is the device aimed at fooling the defense into thinking Dalvin Cook is getting the football or some other running back, typically Dalvin Cook. And, and I would say the other third is bootleg left and the other third is bootleg right. But play action has been such a big piece of what Kirk Cousins has done with this Gary Kubiak offense. And when Dalvin Cook is running well, it makes sense. Freeze the linebackers, have the right. corners maybe peeking into the backfield a little bit, and it gives your guys a chance to run past them, and it sets up a big play potentially. So if you don't have a threat at running back, all of a sudden that's not as effective, Chris. That, no. That's what the Vikings are facing. This is a dilemma for the Vikings And it's a dilemma for Dalvin Cook because I don't think he wants to join that list of guys who played the game and got his money. And then when it was time to literally play the game, he couldn't play like he used to. I think that he's smart enough to recognize from the lessons shown to him by others that there's a chance he plays this in a way where he has a down year. And I don't think he wants to do that. All right, we're going to take a break coming up in the show. We're going to have a draft related to the Vikings' potentially depleted triplets if this holdout lasts. Next, the top 40 quarterback countdown continues. Another former number one overall pick who barely cracks the top 25. We'll tell you who is next right here on PFT Live. All right, there it is. Roger Goodell's evil twin brother. That means it's time for another entry in the top 40 quarterback countdown. We're up to number 24. He was the first overall pick in 2016. One would think he would be higher than number 24 on the list. Franchise quarterback with a big contract, huge cap number this year. Deal has not yet been renegotiated. Create cap space for the Rams, which I think they kind of like because I don't think they have the cash if they would have the cap space. You've got Todd Gurley saying... You owe me money. You've got, I almost used a different term. You've got Clay Matthews saying, pay me. And uh, they paid Jared Goff too much money, Chris. We both think that. But uh, I think that, that that's a given. If For that kind of money, you better be higher than number 24 on the list. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, there's still a lot of good things that Jared Goff does for the Los Angeles Rams, certainly. We know Apparently they can win football enough. games. 
Well, no, there's but there's guys that are more talented, certainly. You know, I think when I look at Jared Goff, okay, got got a pretty strong arm when he can really get a hold of it, all right? But when he tries to rip into the ball, a lot of the times he can lose his accuracy within that. Not a great spiral thrower. Leads to a lot of drops. You know, even a lot of his completions, if you really look at the accuracy of those, they can be a little underwhelming at times. His play in the pocket is below NFL average. So that's one big reason I throw him here. He's got a long delivery, okay, Mike? And, you know, I'm big into... Hey, when there's nothing there to be had and that all of that, what can the quarterback do to help the team and the offense out? And Jared Goff, that's few and far between when they have offensive struggles. You know, he's really capitalized off of Sean McVay's genius and him giving silver uh, silver platter completions. And, you know, that's really the biggest reason I got him at number 24. And Chris, just to go back to the topic we were discussing regarding running back Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, quarterback Kirk Cousins, what have we seen with Goff as Todd Gurley became more limited due to that knee injury dating back to his time in Georgia with the arthritic component, as Gurley's trainer described it? As Gurley's performance and production has dropped, you could argue that that Goff's has as well, that he needs course, that running yeah. back threat to open up the passing game. And without Gurley, and this year, newsflash, he's without Gurley, it's, it's even more pressure on Goff to try to make it happen unless they can develop a running game that is something close to what they had with Gurley. No, exactly right, Mike. I mean, the offense, especially those first few years, was going through Gurley. You know, McVay's sequencing of play calling and creativity was, you know, catching the NFL by surprise. But the NFL caught up to that. You know, of course, Gurley, like you talked about, you know, his injury, the offensive line wasn't great. So it wasn't like Jared Goff had everything going for him. But with those things taken away, it kind of exposed like what I said. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go, hey, guys, get on my shoulders. I got you. I'll carry the team. We got, we're all good. No worries. No, he is not that. And, you know, as far as the numbers and things like that, again, it's good. The completion percentage, I think, is inflated. You know, it's not as accurate as the numbers would tell you there. Just because it's a lot of screens, it's a lot of easy throws dialed up by Sean McVay. That certainly has helped Jared Goff. So, again, there's things in Jared Goff's game that he has to clean up. And one of the things, Kristen, if we could go back to it there in the, in the room, the, the picture we brought up on the graphic to say where he's ranked at. Because, Mike, you know I like to point this out. When... Look at that, how his arm is there. You're not going to find too many quarterbacks, one, with their right throwing arm, their angle, like, not at, a, at 90 degrees, basically. All right? That's, that's not good. And then the positioning of the ball, Mike, to be back like that, I, you, you can't find a quarterback that's in that position in the NFL throwing a football. And that leads to a lot of times the ball spraying in different directions and – not good spirals. That's more of a baseball motion you want to be in like that, which I know is very big in his life, his dad. But to be there like that with the ball out here like that is very odd. And uh, he's got to clean that up to help accuracy, help power accuracy. And when I say that, his accuracy when he's throwing the ball with power and then to throw spirals to make it easier for his receivers to catch. Sorry and for anything blabbering. you do to – no, no, no. You're right, though. Anything you do to elongate the motion gives the defensive backs a heads up that the ball's coming Definitely. out. Too. That's why the no quicker doubt. the release, the more likely you are to complete the pass because you're limiting that window for the defensive back to say, all right, it's time to break on the ball now. And that extra little bit of whatever it is that he's doing there is that extra split second for a defensive back. All right. 
Uh, let's take a look at, and this was the week in 2019 when we first started to realize the Rams may have a problem. It's when Tampa Bay went out to L.A. and dominated the defense and the offense tried to stay in it, and it was a rough time for the offense to stay even with the Buccaneers. You saw the first pass and incompletion right out of the gates. This was at a point when the Bucs were up 7 nothing, Chris. Yeah, and then there's Goff, you know, in the pocket, good base, good throw over the middle to Cooper Cup there. Third and three, gets in the shotgun. Hey, McVay dials up a great play, switch release. He throws the ball perfect to let Robert Robert Woods run after the catch. They do a lot of that stuff over the middle, too, where they work yes, those. Yes, they do. The, the, and and that's, that's the offensive genius finding whatever real estate he can in a defense, right? Where he's, he's going to know where the windows are. He's going to put a guy there and say, put the football in that guy's hands. No doubt about it. But that's part of, you know, teams know that. And I think that's part of what caught on, too. And here's the bootleg that McVay's so famous for. And you see, again, the wide open Brandon Cooks. But, Mike, you're, I want to hit on that point because I think it's real. The teams they've struggled against are the teams that take away those type of completions over the middle of the field, make golf, throw the ball outside the numbers down the field. That's not always a strength of his. Yeah, and uh, you saw the pass there to Todd Gurley. Before that was Brandon Cooks, two guys who aren't on the team this year, which uh, Jared Goff is going to have to overcome. The screen pass there to Robert Woods. He is still sticking around. You know, movement and motion and different things that, that an offensive genius likes to do. The quarterback is the guy who's orchestrating all of it. And what we've seen so far has worked until it doesn't, as it didn't work right here. Well, well the, 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 now this goes back into what I've been talking about a little bit about his, you know, past, you know his, his pocket presence. It's not good. And, you know, let's just think about what we saw here early. We saw a lot of real quarterback-friendly, easy completions right over the middle. Now the pockets collapse. This is something that he's really got to improve. The decision's right. He's going to throw to the right guy. But he's got no feel for who's around him and no, you know, quickness to what he's doing is a little that elongated delivery. This is the same throw he was just trying to make, Mike. And here's a speaks to his power in his arm. When he does connect it all, you can see he can throw a, a 98-mile-per-hour fastball on the edge of the corner there. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, the key is he's got to have the time to do it. When the pocket started to collapse on him, that's when things got screwy. When he has the time to do it, he can have that rifle throw. Now, at this point, obviously, the Rams trying to make something happen. Down 21-7, getting close to the end of the first half. And, you know, th- this, this, is, this is the ultimate test. Hey, offense, if you're that great, you know, the defense isn't getting it done today. Can you get it done? There's the touchdown pass to Gerald Everett, the, the laser from the edge there. Uh, here, it's coming up here. There yeah, it is. Here the it laser is incomplete. Yep. That one was yep. complete. Sorry, there's the touchdown pass to Gerald Everett. And, uh, you know, hey, he's capable of moving the offense uh, under under the right circumstances. He definitely is. I mean, and again, I think, hey, what? I mean, that's a great throw right there. Throwing away from the defender in a tight window. Hey, again, we all need to get over this fact of, you can win a Super Bowl with the 24th best quarterback in football. You know, we've all put this this conversation on a pedestal, but there's Goff in the pocket. This is something I wish Goff would get better at, too. He's a good athlete. He can run. I don't think he relies on his legs enough. He will stand in the pocket too long at times where I want to go, hey, man, you, you're, you're capable of ripping off 15 yards when you tuck it and run it. Do it more. He looks like a big, gangly, awkward target, though, that if you hit him, he's going to break sometimes. into 20 pieces. That, is, it, is he just trying to protect himself? I'm not saying it, it's cowardly. It's smart. 
No, I, I, you know, I think a little bit. It's probably not his comfort zone. That was a big-time out route he threw there off his back leg. Again, it shows the power in his arm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, here in the pocket, right down the middle. You know, you're, you're, he's in a groove right now. I mean, this is one of his better games of the year when it was talking about big-time throws and pushing the ball down the, down the field. They had to. And you, you can see there, he's willing to stand in there and make those type of throws. Uh, it's just about but here's, the consistency. You, you, would have, you, right. would have, you would have dismissed this four years ago if Blake Bortles was doing it as garbage time completions because they're down 45-27 in the fourth quarter. Well, th- I, listen, I don't want to sit here and just crap on somebody the whole time, but, yeah, that's very real. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay is not playing the same defensive looks that they were playing in the first and second quarter. You know, they're trying to protect the lead, give a few changes here and there, but this is where I thought, again – That was a great throw. And this is where Goff, I thought, was one of his better games of the year. I know he throws interceptions, but he made a lot of throws into tight windows. And, of course, the defense knew he was going to throw the football. And they have a good pass rush in Tampa Bay. So it shows some of his talents. The problem is we see it, you know, too few and far between at times. And, again, there's the elongated delivery with not a feel for who's around him and how fast it's going to get on him. I see that too much, and it bothers me. Yeah, you got to get that ball out. Jordan Whitehead makes the play, tips the pass. He's the guy who had an interception earlier. And uh, if you you get, you're right. You, when you when you crank it back like that, you know. But from the time your brain decides to throw it to the time it gets out of your hand, it's got to be as quick as possible. And that throwing motion keeps it from happening. Yes, it, it definitely does at times. And and because it's so long at times, and there's a nice out route touchdown Cooper Cup. But because of that, sometimes it compromises his accuracy when he's trying to make the power throws. Mike, think about the Super Bowl, that famous play in the back of the end zone. You know, Brandon Cooks is wide open. That's a touchdown. He tried to step on the gas and throw the 100-mile-per-hour fastball, but it didn't all connect, and he kind of threw a wobbler, and then McCourty got over there and knocked it down. I believe it was McCourty, but uh, that, yeah, that kind of speaks to the overall issue I have sometimes with his down-the-field throwing and the power throws. Saw him late, took him too long to get it out, and then it was a little bit inaccurate. Okay, I called it garbage time. Hey, all of a sudden, looky here, 48-40 with time left to force overtime with a touchdown and a two-pointer. And Jared Goff moving the ball down the field, Chris. Moving the ball down the field. He's certainly battle-tested. He's He's played in a lot of big games. There's no doubt about that. You know, and again, they got the Bucks defense on the ropes. And, of course, at this point of the year, too, and the Bucks was the worst pass defense in football last year. People need to realize that. And then I believe the week before they let up like 430-something yards to Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, uh, in the year, too. So they were really in Strugglesville. But the one thing I'll say about him, look at the pace of the offense. He's really got down the McVay pace of what they do at the line of scrimmage. And he understands what they're trying to do. But now is the time of the game where Tampa's dialed it up, Mike. They're no longer going to give the easy stuff. So can he make some plays here? to get them a first down or win the game because they've stopped playing prevent and now he's probably going to have to make a play to get it done in this fourth down coming up yeah well here we go as they get closer and closer to uh, you know possibly tying it up there's Shaq Barrett there's the ball and that is that and Dominican Sue against his former team taking it in and what was a close game becomes a not so close game anymore the Buccaneers win and you know th- this is look I don't know what he could have done here the, the the dam broke on him well it, it did the dam broke on him 
you know, th- throw the ball away, live to play another day there. You don't want to take a sack because of the time constraints it, and all right. that. Tuck it. But tuck, tuck it. it. You got to know it when to tuck it. It gets back into the elongated arm issue he has too there. It does. You know, with that big, long, whirly bird windup, when you get hit or touched as you're doing it, it's hard to have a real firm grip on the football. You know, those are those are hits we see guys like Rodgers and Brady's take all the time. But because their motion and stuff is all in here and their arms here, instead of like getting extended, they don't seem to lose those type of fumbles. And uh, golf, you can see it from time to time. This is that that core question of awareness of how your body operates within the time and space of everyone else. And when Shaq Barrett breaks free and he's coming at you, you ain't going to have time to get rid of the football, especially when you have, as you called it, the whirly bird elongated motion. You just you just uh, you do you do the old Peyton Manning hit the deck if you have to and 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 live to fight another day instead of having that exactly. ball get knocked out in the game over and there goes your chance of trying to force overtime all right uh speaking of overtime we're over time we're gonna take a break we got more pft live coming uh we got two more two more quarterbacks on the chris sims top 40 quarterback countdown later in the show meanwhile saints teammates say they forgive drew Brees, but that might not be the case with some of his opponents we'll discuss that next here on pft live The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Brick responsibly. Beer reported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I don't accept his apology. I think he's only apologizing because of uh, people came for him and uh, people are disagreeing with him. And he understands his basis in Louisiana is a lot of black people. So, uh, hell, whatever happens, it must be nice to make $25 million a year and have that stand. Malik Jackson, Eagles offensive lineman, pulling no punches regarding the position on Drew Brees. Now, look. Malik Jackson wasn't part of the team meeting on Thursday where Drew Brees personally apologized to teammates. He said enough to get the teammates to go along with him. And I I think the reality is if you're a member of the Saints organization, you're looking for a reason to give him the benefit of the doubt because ultimately everybody's got to be on the same page. they got football games to play. And it looks like they've whipped up a little of that us-against-the-world mentality, Shaq, supposedly told them last Thursday, don't let the media tear you apart as if the media was the reason why they were being torn apart. They had teammates going straight to social media to complain about the guy, and that was their right to do it. But I think that from the standpoint of rallying the troops and circling the wagons, the bottom line is the Saints have gotten on the same page. And I would expect that if anyone is going to have a problem with Drew Brees going forward, it's going to be somebody from a team that plays the Saints because there isn't that extra incentive to try 
to work it out. And you don't know the guy personally like teammates do, Chris. That's that's the big thing. You're going to be more forgiving when you're on his team because you get to see the guy on a day-to-day basis and realize that, you know, he's not a jerk. He cares about people. Now, I know Malik Jackson really well. He's my brother's college roommate. He's a great guy. He really is. And I don't think, you know, his sentiments are, you know, only to himself here. I, I think this is a re- very real thing. I think a lot of people, you know, around the league and players are going to look at Drew Brees and go, no, he already showed or he already exposed his true self. And I don't think you're going to get a, a faction of guys off of that. They believe they already saw the true colors of Drew Brees. What I would tell my friend Malik Jackson is, hey, it took a lot of courage for Drew Brees to say he was wrong. He's you know, adamantly come out, confronted the president about the issue. I think he's self-evaluated self. His life, his wife, which to me, that just tells you it's hitting home. The wife comes out and makes a statement to say, you know, we are the problem. I think this hit home to where it really might have changed Drew Brees. So I understand what Malik Jackson's saying. He's not going to hurt him or try to do anything like that when they play. Malik's a good guy. It's not about that, but yeah, I think he's one of many in football. They're going to look at Drew Brees and go, no, we already saw the true guy. This is his true self, and they're not going to take to the apology. I had a moment there real quick, and we got to get to break, where I'm thinking if they have fans in stadiums this year, Drew Brees in opposing stadiums may get a reception unlike any he's ever gotten before from some of the folks there, depending upon, you know, by the time we get to September, October, November, people are still aware of it, and I think they will be, and I think that that maybe he should be thinking, hey, this whole no fans in the stands may not be so bad after all. All right, we're going to take a break. Cliff Kingsbury met the media yesterday and addressed the anthem issue, sort of. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. As an organization, we wanted them to know we support them. Um, from the top down, Michael has called me multiple times um, to talk through things. How can we help? How can we do different things? And what resources can we be to our players um, you know, to help them, whether it's community relations, um, working on projects they want to work on, PR, how do they want to, to you know, carve out a statement. Um, we want to be there for them, and, and we support them through this time. What you, uh, you and the team discussed what the anthem will look like on opening day of uh, the 2020 season? We have not. Um, obviously, we're going to support our guys. They know that, but there's so much up in the air you know, right now as far as what the fall is going to look like on any level that, that we haven't touched on that. Look, that's Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals coach, talking about supporting their guys without really making the kind of unconditional, unequivocal statement that I'm looking for from teams. Hey, look, if a guy chooses to protest during the anthem, we encourage them to do it. We support them in their choice. We don't want to get in their way at all. We don't want to make them to think they have to do things a different way. We're not going to try to convince them of anything. It's their decision. We encourage them to make their personal decision. We don't encourage them to kneel. We encourage them to make their decision. I want to hear the team say that because I think a lot of times, and I'm not saying the Cardinals are doing that, a lot of times, yeah, we support our guys, but then that kind of melts into you know, a team decision that everyone's going to stand or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. So right. We'll, we'll see as we get closer to September, Chris. But, you know, a lot of these owners lean right. A lot of these owners are concerned about fan reaction from those who would say thou shalt stand. Uh, and uh, it's going to take a lot for them to, 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 to set that aside 
and say what needs to be said. We encourage players to make their own personal conscientious decision about what they do during the anthem, and whatever they do is fine with us. That's what every team needs to say. We'll see if they say it. No doubt. And I think Cliff Kingsbury will say that. I think he's, you know, he's fighting for the greater good and he understands that certainly. I think it's one of those things where he probably just caught him off guard a little bit as far as what they're going to do during the year. Because like he's saying, he doesn't know what the hell is going to happen for their football season at this point yet. But you better support him no matter what your team is. I don't know. You know, it's the right thing to do at this moment. Yeah. African-Americans, the black community, they need our help. And of course, this, the message didn't get through the first time. He also was a guy on his team in DeAndre Hopkins who came from Houston. And let's not forget, there was some issues there, you know, as far as a little racial tension and all that, that upset the players in that locker room. So you don't want to start that problem again, uh, certainly. But I think Cliff Kingsbury will certainly get behind his players when the time comes. Cliff Kingsbury isn't the issue. The issue is the top of the organization because the coach yes, if he right. wants to remain the right. coach indefinitely into the future. He's going to take his cues from the guy who signs the paycheck. Michael Bidwell is the one who's going to have to set the tone in Arizona, just like Jerry Jones in Dallas and every other owner throughout the league. What tone will they set? They are the ones who need to add their voices to this and say, we encourage our players to do whatever they believe they must do during the national anthem. If they choose to stand, stand. If they choose to kneel, kneel. If they choose to sit, sit. It is their decision, and we encourage them to make that decision, and we will not try to influence them in any way, shape, or form, period. That's what every owner needs to say. In my opinion, I need to say this. We're going to take a break. We continue the top 40 quarterback countdown at the top of the hour. Two more to do today. We'll have that coming up for you as PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 